Good evening and welcome to NTD News. I'm Stephanie Cox. Here are today's top stories. House Republicans now demanding testimony from the Hunter Biden partner who allegedly sent over a million dollars to the Biden family. And Hunter Biden today making a new move against the laptop repair shop owner. Former President Trump says Democrats have found a new way to steal elections. In two new videos, he characterizes the mounting criminal probes against him as election interference. Factually correct stories allegedly being censored. New Twitter files show an organization pushed to censor stories about COVID and vaccines, even though they knew the stories were true. Chinese Communist Party leader Xi Jinping will fly to Moscow next week to meet with Russian President Vladimir Putin. This comes as one more NATO country commits to sending fighter jets to Ukraine. TikTok could have accessed your data even if you've never used the app. A new report on the social media platform is raising concerns amid the current push to ban the app. The parent company of the failed Silicon Valley Bank is seeking Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection. SVB Financial Group's filing is no surprise in light of its subsidiary's collapse, though its venture capital and broker-dealer businesses are still operational, they're not part of the filing. SVB Capital and SVB Securities are still prized assets, according to the company's chief restructuring officer. Overall, SVB Financial Group says it has $3.3 billion in unsecured debt that could get wiped out in bankruptcy. The proceedings could eliminate even more money in stock. Trading of its shares stopped on Thursday. And former President Trump posted on Truth Social today characterizing the ongoing criminal probes against him as an attempt to steal another election. Meanwhile, his former attorney is ordered to testify further. NTD's Arlene Richards has more details. The radical left Democrats are using their prosecutors to try and steal another election. Former President Trump pointed a finger at Democrats in a video on Friday saying presidential elections are sacred and they shouldn't be stolen. Trump has consistently accused Democrats of stealing the 2020 election, which he said he won by a landslide. Now he says they found another way to do it. It will be a lot tougher for them to cheat and rig the election like they did in 2020. And that's why they're using their city, state, and federal prosecutors. They are using them like has never happened before in our country. In a separate video, Trump called the criminal probes against him a continuation of a witch hunt. Whether it's the Mar-a-Lago raid or the unselect committee hoax, the perfect Georgia phone call, it was absolutely perfect or the stormy horse-faced Daniels extortion plot. They're all sick, and it's fake news. Speaking of probes, Trump's former attorney, Michael Cohen, is ordered to testify in the case about classified documents. In previous testimony, he cited attorney-client privilege to avoid some questions. A federal judge has now granted an exception based on the possibility of a crime or fraud. About two dozen members of Trump's staff at Mar-a-Lago were also subpoenaed. The staff are expected to answer questions about whether they saw boxes or documents in Trump's office suite or elsewhere. Trump allegedly mishandled national security records and has been accused of obstruction. 
CNN reports that federal investigators have talked to a Mar-a-Lago staff member who was seen on security camera footage moving boxes from a storage room. Trump's former attorney is also expected to testify against Trump in the Stormy Daniels case. Manhattan prosecutors are reportedly on the verge of indicting Trump. They accuse him of making a $130,000 hush payment to Daniels. Daniels claims she had an affair with Trump, which he denies. Cohen told ABC on Friday he expects the prosecution to view his testimony with skepticism. The facts are the facts. The truth is the truth. And it's, the truth will always rise. And so I'm not worried about anything that they want to come at me with. In 2018, Cohen pled guilty to lying to Congress about a Trump Tower project in Moscow. On Friday, he said he lied to them at the direction of Trump. Prosecutors allege Trump's reimbursement to Cohen was falsely logged in the Trump Organization's records. Arlene Richards, NTD News. In light of Trump's ongoing legal battles, who's the most popular Republican candidate for president? A new poll surveyed voters in Florida, the home state of both former President Trump and Governor Ron DeSantis. The poll by Emerson College surveyed over 1,100 of Florida's Republican voters this week. 47% of them say they would vote for Trump in a hypothetical GOP presidential primary. 44% say they would vote for DeSantis. 4% say they would vote for former Vice President Mike Pence, who is not an announced candidate. But in a race among all the announced candidates, which excludes DeSantis and Pence, Trump would get 79% of the votes. In second place is former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley with 16%. And DeSantis said at a press conference yesterday, three years after lockdowns started in the U.S., that the experts were wrong about almost everything with regards to COVID-19 and lockdowns. So let's unpack this. Earlier today, I spoke with Dr. Scott Atlas, who advised both the Trump administration and DeSantis in 2020 on their pandemic policies. He's now a senior fellow at Stanford University's Hoover Institution. Dr. Scott Atlas, welcome to our show. Thanks for coming on again. Happy to be here. Now, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis said Thursday that the experts were wrong about how to handle the pandemic. The governor did initially order a statewide lockdown in 2020, but opened back up and pushed back against mandates much earlier than other states. You were advising DeSantis in the spring of 2020. What was the thought process behind that pivot? Sure. Well, uh, the governor uh, initially had stay-at-home orders, uh, and I'm talking about maybe April 1st of 2020, roughly. I spoke to him uh, as one of his advisors uh, during that time period of uh, spring 2020, and he was very clear about a couple things. Number one, he knew the data. He would ask me, what do you think about this? Am I correct? And then he would go through the data from the United States from different states, from outside the U.S. He was very, very personally uh, aware of the data and reading it himself. And I think he understood very rapidly that the lockdown policies were wrong, they were destructive, they didn't work, and they were illogical, and frankly, against what standard pandemic management was. And then uh, as the spring and summer progressed, uh, and I went in to advise the president uh, at basically August 1st of 2020 for uh, three months. DeSantis called me up and asked me to come to Florida because in August, end of August 2020, he was one of the few governors who said we are opening the schools. 
he clearly knew the data and recognized the data, and we toured the state uh, together. So Governor DeSantis opened the schools because he knew the data. He understood that the kids, healthy kids, had extremely low risk, and he was adamant that it was very destructive to keep in-person schools closed. Uh, that was very different from what the uh, Trump administration did. The Trump administration rejected the data. They rejected the idea of increasing protection and using targeted protection. The White House Coronavirus Task Force, which I sat in on for uh, August, September, and October of 2020, rejected the science, rejected the data, and recommended lockdown school closures uh, it, despite their seven months of gross failure in stopping the spread and in preventing the death. And DeSantis in his book quotes Dr. Birx as saying that the lockdowns were really an experiment of sorts. As someone who was within Trump's coronavirus task force, do you think that that was communicated in that way to the president? No. What I saw was Dr. Birx and Dr. Fauci and Dr. Redfield were doing things, recommending lockdowns that were overtly contrary to standard known pandemic science from 2006, 15 years prior, which clearly showed that you know lockdowns were ineffective and extremely harmful. I think the American public uh, should, should take a lesson from this. These people were lying. I'm talking about the people leading the task force guidelines. Bert, Fauci, and Redfield were not transparent, they pretended like they knew, they acted contrary to science, and they, this is frankly something that was falsely perpetrated on the public and, unfortunately, on our elected officials. And what I saw was uh, two different messages coming out of the White House and the Trump administration. Yes, the president spoke about we should be opening. I advised that we should be opening based on the data and the known science. Uh, I had people come in that were answering his questions. But in the end, the official Trump White House policy was the White House task force, and that was lockdowns. DeSantis has warned that the Biden administration wants to reinstate mask mandates on commercial flights. And, of course, there's the WHO's pandemic accord, which is inching closer to completion. How concerned are you that the country could backslide in terms of the freedom of its citizens post-COVID? I'm very concerned about uh, what's happening. I'm very concerned about the gross incompetence of people uh, that are in leadership positions. They they simply can seem to be unable to look at facts. Anyone who is saying that masks work, that's analogous to saying that the earth is flat. And to think that the Biden administration, if true, is considering mask mandates, this is frightening. This should frighten all people who want to live in a reality-based, fact-based world, there's something seriously wrong. And, uh, you know, the WHO Accord, the WHO Accord, where we are delegating authority, bleakly binding authority on even simply the declaration of a public health emergency is extremely frightening. This should be concerning to Americans or any sovereign nation. And if we have an administration, a presidential administration, that, that does this sort of thing, I, I think Americans need to wake up and exercise their, their power as a free society at the voting booth. Dr. Scott Atlas, senior fellow at the Hoover Institution at Stanford and former advisor for the White House Coronavirus Task Force. Thank you so much. Thank you.
In other pandemic-related news, Chinese scientists now say COVID-19 did come from animals, not from a lab. That's after they examined new data. However, their findings have not yet been peer-reviewed. Scientists at the Chinese CDC uploaded new data to the world's biggest public virus database. The data appears to show genetic material in which raccoon dog DNA was commingled with the virus. The samples were allegedly collected at the Wuhan seafood market in early 2020. The director of the WHO today criticized China. He said the data should have been released three years ago. He also said this new data doesn't explain exactly how the pandemic started. Experts have not verified the analysis made by Chinese scientists. And new documents show the U.S. government allegedly worked with Stanford University to suppress information about COVID-19 and vaccines. The revelation comes in the latest installment of the so-called Twitter files today. Stanford University's webpage states that its Virility Project, or VP, aims at understanding disinformation dynamics specific to the COVID-19 crisis. Journalist Matt Taibbi released a new installment of the Twitter files on Friday morning, titled Stanford, The Virality Project, and the Censorship of True Stories. Emails and other documents appear to show that the Virality Project knowingly targeted true material and legitimate political opinion, while often being factually wrong itself. VP seems to have reviewed content for Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and other platforms. The project allegedly informed Twitter that, regarding the vaccines, there was true content which might promote vaccine hesitancy, including stories of true vaccine side effects. VP apparently said such content should qualify under Twitter's censorship of COVID-19 posts. Taibbi also wrote that VP warned against people just asking questions, implying it was a tactic commonly used by spreaders of misinformation. And that apparently, even in its final report, VP claimed it was misinformation to suggest the vaccine does not prevent transmission or that governments are planning to introduce vaccine passports. Both things turned out to be true. The project was apparently working together and coordinating its actions with several government agencies, such as the CDC, the Department of Homeland Security, and others. NTD reached out to Stanford University, the CDC, and Homeland Security for comment, but didn't immediately hear back. Reporting by Arian Pazdar, NTD News. House Republicans are now seeking details of transactions between the Biden family and an associate who received money from China. And Hunter makes a new move. NTD's Iris Tao has the latest from the White House. The latest move in the GOP's investigation into the Biden family. The House Oversight Committee is now formally asking Hunter Biden's business partner, Rob Walker, to testify on the record. It comes right after the committee, citing bank records, revealed on Thursday that three members of the Biden family received a total of more than $1 million from Walker. And that happened to be soon after Walker got a $3 million wire from a Chinese energy company in 2017. We're going to subpoena more bank records. We're going to do everything in our ability to follow every bank trail. This one deal with Robinson Walker, this is the first deal. There are at least 10 or 11 more. Committee Chairman James Comer sent a letter to Walker on Friday, asking him to respond to the request for an interview within the week. Comer further questioned specifically why Walker said in a call about dealings with the Biden family that if he's exposed... Tony, you're just going to just bury all of us, man. The White House on Thursday criticized House Republicans for, quote, bizarrely attacking the president's family and engaging in a politically motivated investigation. But it didn't deny the new findings and Hunter Biden spokesperson, while also denouncing the investigation as a conspiracy theory, did confirm the revealed payments, saying the accounts belong to Hunter, his uncle and Haley.
All this as Hunter Biden on Friday rolled out an offensive legal attack. The younger Biden is now countersuing the Delaware computer repair shop owner, accusing him of invasion of privacy by wrongfully sharing his personal data. But Hunter's lawyers insist that the Friday lawsuit is not an admission that a laptop belonged to him. And at the center of all this, President Joe Biden, who was meeting with the Irish Prime Minister on Friday, did not respond to reporters' shouted questions. That's despite a verbal promise made to us by the press secretary yesterday. You're going to have an opportunity, uh, or your colleagues will have an opportunity uh, to ask questions uh, during the, uh, the uh, pool spray. Reporting from the White House, Iris Tao, NTD News. On the other hand, Democrats are also bringing allegations against former President Trump. Democrats on the House Oversight Committee said in a report that Trump and his family failed to report $300,000 worth of gifts from foreign governments. The report said there were over 100 gifts from foreign officials between 2017 and 2020, and that Trump failed to report them to the State Department as required by law. 17 of the gifts came from Saudi Arabia. House Democrats said they are concerned whether the gifts were used to influence U.S. foreign policy. And Chinese Communist Party leader Xi Jinping will fly to Moscow next week to meet with Russian President Vladimir Putin. Their talks will be centered around the war. This comes as one more NATO country has committed to sending fighter jets to Ukraine. NTD's Jason Perry has that story. On Friday, Russian President Vladimir Putin met with top Russian and Crimean officials just ahead of the anniversary of Russia's annexation of Crimea from Ukraine. Nine years ago, Crimeans and Sevastopol residents made their unequivocal and final historical choice to become once again and forever part of one large country. We will do everything needed to fend off any threats. In 2014, Russia was able to take over the Crimean Peninsula in just a few weeks, much different from when Russia invaded Ukraine this time. Ukrainian forces have withstood Russian attacks for over a year now. Now the leader of the Chinese Communist Party, or CCP, Xi Jinping, is scheduled to visit Russia to discuss the war in Ukraine with Putin in person. The CCP's foreign ministry spokesperson, Wang Wenbin, said China's proposition boils down to one sentence, which is to urge peace and promote talks. Also on Friday, White House National Security spokesperson John Kirby said the CCP's plan for a so-called ceasefire would allow Russian troops to stay in place and occupy Ukrainian territory. Russia would be free then to use a ceasefire to only further entrench their positions in Ukraine. Uh, to rebuild, refit, and, uh, and refresh their forces so that they can restart attacks on Ukraine at a time of their choosing. Ukraine says Russian troops must withdraw from Ukrainian territory. And to help Ukraine achieve that goal, Slovakia has now agreed to send 13 MiG-29 fighter jets to Ukraine. Slovakia is now the second NATO member to pledge fighter jets to Ukraine after Poland. Pentagon spokesperson General Pat Ryder said this. You know, it's important to understand, first of all, that Ukraine has an air force uh, and they know how to operate these type of aircraft. They, they operate uh, MiG fighter jets within their own air force. And so from a training and a maintenance standpoint, the ability to, to absorb these into their force and to be able to operate them in the near term is, is real. 
And other countries hoping to join NATO are Finland and Sweden, who both applied for NATO membership after the war in Ukraine began. But both of their applications have been held up because Turkey would not approve their memberships. But on Friday, while the Finnish president was visiting Turkey, Turkish President Tayyip Erdogan said Finland had won Turkey's blessing after taking concrete steps to crack down on terrorism. Jason Perry, NTD News. And the International Criminal Court is taking action over the Ukraine war. The agency has issued an arrest warrant for Putin. They allege that Putin committed war crimes, in particular deporting children from Ukraine to Russia. The Kremlin denied the allegations and said the warrant is outrageous. The arrest warrant is unlikely to cause any changes because the International Criminal Court has no power to arrest suspects and Russia is not a member state. And concerns are growing over the national security risks of Chinese-owned social media platform TikTok. A new report says the app can collect Americans' data even from those who've never used it. According to a new report from cybersecurity company Farut, TikTok can still collect your data even if you've never used it, and that it doesn't matter whether you deleted the app or not. ABC News obtained the report. It says TikTok can be present on a website in pretty much any sector in the form of TikTok pixels or trackers. This means TikTok can use its trackers throughout the internet to harvest data from various websites. The trackers link to data harvesting platforms that can pick up passwords and credit card information, as well as other personal identifiers. Farut says TikTok's trackers send the data around the globe, including to China and Russia. But the report also notes that TikTok isn't the only company doing such things. Google, Meta, and Microsoft also use this kind of tracker. The Biden administration is now pushing for a ban on TikTok unless its Chinese parent company sells it in the U.S. TikTok CEO Shoza Chu responded, saying selling it wouldn't make a difference. Chu told the Wall Street Journal that selling TikTok would not provide additional data security because the app is already secure. He repeated the company's stance that American user data is accessible only by TikTok's U.S.-based data security team. The TikTok CEO is scheduled to testify in Congress next week. Reporting by Allison Lee, NTD News. And if you have any news tips or feedback for our show, you can email us at eveningnews at ntd.com. And coming up, violent unrest breaks out in France after President Macron pushed through a contested pension overhaul without a vote. And the mansion filmed in The Princess Diaries is on sale for nearly $9 million. The 100-year-old San Francisco villa overlooks the skyline. Find out more in just a moment here on NTD News. French President Emmanuel Macron overrides Parliament to pass his highly unpopular bill raising the retirement age from 62 to 64. The move has triggered spontaneous protests across the country, which were sometimes violent. It also isolates the president, who faces a growing opposition from unions, lawmakers and the population. NTD's France correspondent David Vives has that story. Turmoil in the National Assembly as Prime Minister Elisabeth Bonn invoked a special constitutional power to skirt a vote in the lower chamber. Left-wing lawmakers sang the national anthem and called on the Prime Minister to resign. Later, Paris became a battleground as thousands of protesters gathered spontaneously near Parliament. 
Some people flung cobblestones at police, who responded with tear gas and water cannon. Fires burned in the streets nearby, and cars were set alight. Protests also broke out in other cities, such as in Nantes and in Dijon. Demonstrators burned effigies of President Macron, the Prime Minister and government ministers. The pension reform is one of the key priorities of Macron's second term, and his move showed he failed a critical parliamentary test. Several opposition groups, including Marine Le Pen's far-right national rally, have tabled no-confidence motions to bring down the government. But they need to gain enough signatures by MPs for the motions to go ahead. Unions have called for new day of strikes and protest next Thursday against the reform. According to a recent poll, over 60% of French want to see more protests even if after bill has passed. A vote of no confidence is expected early next week. David Vives, NTD News, Paris. And finally, back in the U.S., a San Francisco mansion, where a popular 2001 Disney movie was filmed, is up for grabs at nearly $9 million. It boasts spectacular views of the city and is located near highly rated schools. The mansion on 2601 Lion Street in San Francisco is listed for $8.9 million. The house was where the fictional Grove High School in The Prince's Diaries was filmed. Built in 1923, the neoclassical Mediterranean mansion is now 100 years old. The nearly 4,600-square-foot home is four stories tall and has four bedrooms and three-and-a-half bathrooms. According to the listing on Compass Real Estate, it has been lovingly maintained and improved by its current owners, who have endeavored to achieve a harmonious balance between the home's original architectural detail and the comfort and convenience of modern amenities. An elementary, middle, and high school are all located about a mile from the residence. It was last sold in June 2009 for about $6.4 million. Cron4 News reports that the previous owner was former San Francisco Giants owner Bob Laurie. The villa sits on the eastern edge of the Presidio, overlooking the bay and city views. It is also a 15-minute walk from the Palace of Fine Arts. And that's all for today's news. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Stephanie Cox. Good night.